I believe that uh, when we walk in intimacy with the Lord, our whole life changes. Your past, your present, your addictions, your struggles, the things that people have done to you, the way people have abandoned you or labeled you, the things that you have partnered with in your heart and mind, I don't care what they are. Only He has the authority to tell you who you are. We have to ask Holy Spirit to download His heart to our heart. We have to be people who raise their hands and say, I'm here, this is my city, this is my region, it's not somebody else's problem. Well, we are speaking on identity. As, as many of you who've been around know, we've been walking through this progression. Every year at Living Waters, we go through intimacy, identity, and inheritance. And we are kind of moving right into this identity piece today. Um, so if you, if you aren't familiar, if you haven't been here, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, it feels like every week we have new people in this church. So um, if you've never heard me before, you don't know who I am. <laughs> Hi. Um, so, uh, one thing, there's a few disclaimers I want to make before I get into my teaching. Um, when we talk about identity in Christ, if, if we're really honest with ourselves, we could probably go on the Google and type in identity in Christ and find a ton of teachings that speak to identity in Christ. In fact, there's so many scriptures you can memorize that tell you who you are in Christ, and, and that's wonderful. Uh, I'm not doing that today. Um, I encourage us to, rem to, to memorize those scriptures and to know what they are, but, but one of the convictions I operate under is that there's a difference between knowing something and understanding it. Amen. There's a difference between knowledge and, and wisdom. There's a difference between hearing something and repeating it and experiencing it and making that part of who you are. And so I feel like it would be a little bit of a disservice today if I were to get up here and just go through those, those scriptures or try to teach you a theology of identity in Christ, because many of us have already heard those things. What I want is to access your heart today so that we can get beyond just simply knowing what things say and understanding what it means for us. What, is, what does it truly mean for us in our identity? And, and so that you know, I get this week, and I'm also teaching next week. Yay! So this week, as I was praying about this, I really felt like the Lord was like, okay, get out the bulldozer and clear some space in people's hearts and minds for, for this. And um, I know if you were here when Kim was preaching on intimacy, something that Kim said that, that she struggles with is that feeling of like, well, maybe you've heard this before. Because we do repeat you know, these themes at Living Waters. And so there's a temptation to feel like, well, I've already shared this before. And I wrestled with that. And the Lord's like, listen share it again. And so I'm sharing a similar message that I did last year, um, but it's, it's got a 2018 twist on it. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll see where we go. So uh, if you have your Bibles with you, please go to Luke 15. Um, we're going to look at a familiar passage. And what I want to ask you to do is suspend the conclusions that you reach when you read this passage of scripture. It's so familiar in Christianity, and even it's familiar for people who haven't spent a lot of time in Christianity. And so, not to quote a friend of mine who was talking to me earlier, but I'm kind of going through the back door on this passage, um, because I think it speaks to our identity so profoundly, at least in how we understand ourselves and how the Lord understands us. So Luke 15, starting at verse 11, is the story of the prodigal son. So we're just going to read this and we're going to get to this. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. 
The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Now we're going to stop there. That's a prodigal moment where you reach the end of the things that you've done or the things done to you and you come to your senses, which is you come to an awareness of what your circumstance really is. And in this story, that's what happened with this, this, this son. He came to his senses. He came to an awareness of what he had done. Now, I think we all have prodigal moments. And I certainly remember mine. It was almost 20, well, it was 20 two years ago. It was, it was like January, December-ish, December, no, January of, of 1996. And I was sitting in my room, and I was utterly disgusted with myself. See, at that point in my life, I was addicted to pornography, and I was in a gay relationship, and I was hiding that from everybody in my world. And I was broken, and I was hurting, and I was hiding. And I remember the feeling of coming to my senses, coming to an awareness of the things that I had surrounded myself with. And I remember sitting in this tug of war with God in that night of just arguing with him about who I was, arguing with him about the things that I had done and the things that had been done to me, and this this place of, of brokenness and defilement that I was in. You see, it's, it's interesting. Like in the story of the prodigal son, he's starving and no one will give him any food. Well, I was being given food. I was just being given wrong, defiling food. The food for my, my hunger, my soul, those, those relationships and those, those false things that we do to try to feed us and to give us something to, to numb the pain in our lives or to give us a sense of who we are. But it was a pig pen nonetheless. And sometime about that, that season, I realized and I, and I came to an awareness of the brokenness and the sin and the defilement that I was in. But I had this argument with God because it was like, what are you going to do with me? And you know, it's, it's funny, in all of my struggles with my sexuality, which I struggled with my sexual identity from the time I was 13 years old, and at this point I was about 19 years old, in all of my struggles with my sexual identity, I never once labeled myself gay. Never once, not even while in a gay relationship. I never labeled myself gay until that night when I said to God, well, what are you going to do with me? I'm gay, and I'm broken, and I've sinned, and I know what your word says. What are you going to do with me? What does it even mean for me to surrender to you with my brokenness? What does that mean? 
And I remember sitting there that night in that room, and I remember God responding to me about my identity. And the thing is, in the long list of things that he said to me that night, gay was never in it. There was not one thing that he said about my identity that had anything to do with the things that people had done to me or that I had done to myself. Not a thing. It's funny. It's, maybe it's not funny to you. It's funny to me. <laughs> maybe it's not funny. <laughs> but we build an identity. Every single one of us, whether we realize it or not, we build an identity based on our feelings and our behavior. We build an identity based on the way people treat us. We build an identity based on how we identify with other people who have the same feelings or behavior that we do. We just, we just do. And yet nothing about our behavior or our feelings actually has one bit of crap to do with our identity. Not a bit. There's only one being that has the authority to actually tell us who we are. And that's our creator. That's our author. Now, I never do illustrations, like, with things, because I just talk. That's, like, my greatest skill. I talk. (laughs) I'm so glad it's become marketable. Because, like, (laughs) if you want me to build something, that's not going to happen. If you want me to, like, create something, well, I can cook. But that, eh, (laughs) it's not, anyway. But... I'm going to do an illustration. I've never done one, so bear with me. If this, if this flops, just let's all steer into this kid. <laughs> so this is, I'm going to introduce you to, to Mug. <laughs> this is Mug. Mug has a purpose. We all know what Mug's purpose is. Coffee. coffee. <laughs> Pound it. Yes. Thank you, Dominic. Yes, coffee. A godly purpose, really. You know, you know <laughs> divine, if you will. Because we know that the person who made Mug made it on purpose for a purpose. It's green, sure, but that doesn't establish its identity. We know that the maker made it on purpose for a purpose. And, you know, to stretch this analogy a little bit, we're all kind of like Mug. Because we have an author. We have a creator who made us on purpose for a purpose. He knew who he was making. He knew who he was making when he made me. Before a thing ever happened to me. But the thing is, things do happen. Things happen to us, and things happen to Mug. Life. Life happens to Mug. You see, for me, I had no control over some of the things that happened to me when, like when my parents divorced. Or when I was sexually violated. Or when people constantly looked at the things in my life that were broken and told me who I was. Is that who I am? Because sitting there in that room that night, the broken and shattered pieces of my life was who I thought I was. 
We all have a tendency to look at ourselves and the things that happen to us and the broken pieces and we think, God, what are you going to do with me? My purpose is gone. I can't put coffee in that. It won't hold it. And I am not wasting coffee. (laughs) Something you have to understand about my life is I knew from the time I was four years old I was called into ministry. I was saved at four, and I was not a gentle preacher. I've shared it before. I would evangelize kids on the playground in kindergarten. I'd look at kids and be like, do you know Jesus? And they'd be like, no. I'm like, oh, you're going to hell. You know, it's just like, (laughs) but I knew from the very beginning that God had a purpose in me, and I had a personality, and I had like feels, and I still have them. And, And God meant for me to have a purpose. And yet, when I got through some of this junk that happened to me, I really believe that my purpose was stolen, that my identity, the thing that he made me to be on purpose for purpose was robbed for me because of what happened. How many of you believe that or have believed that about yourself, that somehow the things that happened to you mean that your identity is compromised and you're no longer who you once thought you were? Or maybe it's not as profound as that. Maybe you just think it disqualifies you. Somehow the cracks and the brokenness and the things that happen or the things that you've done to yourself mean that you no longer have an identity or your identity is altered. So what we do, and Ryan mentioned it last week, is we put on a false self. Here's my false self. This is so professional. But you know what's funny about the false self is we're able to hide the broken pieces in the false self. I ripped my... Susanna's going to be so mad about this pillowcase. It is what it is at this point, you know? But here's my false self. And we all do it. We all put on the good face. We all put on the, 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 the front for people. You know, when I was involved in the gay relationship, I was still at church. I was still on worship team. I was still on the drama team, big shock. <laughs> I was still youth leader. I was still doing everything. The good Christian face was in front. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, God is good. On the inside, I am broken and shattered. But on the outside, I'm showing you this because we all hear the same crap from Satan. If they knew what was actually behind that list, that that mask, they would reject you. And the subtlety behind that accusation is what's inside there is actually who you are. Ryan said it last week, and and I love it. He said, it's true. He said, we have to take that mask off and let people into the brokenness. But here's the overcorrection that we begin to make. We begin wrapping our identity in the brokenness. Like, this is who I am. And I'm honest about it. I'm broken and shattered. Hallelujah. Well, you know what? Honesty is different than authenticity. Honesty is simply saying this is what's true. Authenticity actually goes back to say what is the original purpose or creation In fact, our word authentic comes from the Latin words authenticos, I think. Well, I could tell you, and you wouldn't know. You don't have my notes. 
Oh, I'm sorry, authenticus. Greek is authenticos, and the meanings are from, from the Latin authenticus, coming from the author, the genuine. Authenticos is original, primary, or firsthand, meaning to be authentic is to actually be what the author intended us to be. One of the best-selling books in the world in Christianity, second only to the Bible, is this book by this Catholic author named Thomas Akempis, and it's a book called The Imitation of Christ. And he wrote in this, this is this passage, why should we be concerned to divide up things into classes and families? We get away from all this tangle of guesswork when once the eternal word speaks to us. From him alone, all creation has but one voice for us. He who is its origin is also its interpreter. Without him, no one can understand it or form a true judgment about it until all things become one for you, traced back to one source and seen in one act of vision. You cannot find anchorage for your heart or rest calmly in God. And I would summarize that in saying, until the author tells us who we are, we don't know who we are. In fact, I don't care what has happened to you in your life. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what people have said. I don't care what people have done. I don't care about the mistakes. And I don't care about the victories because they don't establish our identity either. None of those things have the authority to interpret for us who we are. Only the author. Only the author has the authority to tell us who we are. Only he can interpret our life. Only he can tell us our purpose. Only he can tell us our identity. And we have to stop looking at the broken and shattered pieces and in our honesty saying, this is who I am, when that is a lie from the pit of hell, it is what has happened to us, but it is not who we are. But we're still broken and shattered. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? Am I going to remain unable to carry coffee? There's this incredible this incredible um, art that comes out of Japan. It's called kintsugi, I believe. It's one of the most beautiful things I think I've ever experienced. My bucket list is to own some piece of pottery that is this form of art. And really the value of it is, is that in that culture, they valued the journey. They valued the imperfections. They valued the cracks along the way. And so what they would do with these pieces of broken pottery is they would take and bind them together and they would paint gold lacquer on the cracks. And what you ended up with was something far more valuable and far more beautiful than before it even got broken. You see, that is the potter. Our author and our potter who does not let the brokenness we experience define us or rob us of purpose. Instead, he takes the broken pieces and only in his authority can he put them back together and bind them with gold. Only he can do that. Only he can put it back together and bind it with gold because he, as the author, decided from the beginning what our purpose was and what our identity was and who we were. And not one hammer of life is going to stop him from putting it back together. And I have to tell you, it's not the same. It's not, this cup is not the same. It's also not the same cup. <laughs> Sleight of hand, you know, it's... <laughs> this is permanently changed. 
but not its identity, not its purpose. The character in which its purpose is lived out is made more beautiful and magnificent through the journey. Yes, I was called into ministry when I was a little kid, and I thought that the things that I had done disqualified me from ministry. I did. Because after all, who would ever let me have a pulpit or make me a pastor? Yeah, joke's on you all, right? Yeah? (laughs) And that's the thing is it's like I got everything that God purposed for me to have. But boy, is it colored differently than it was before. See, one of the beautiful things is like, yeah, I get to go and I speak all over the country about these issues of sexuality and brokenness. And I do it because of the gold seams in my life, because of the broken places that God has mended with his perfect wisdom and perfect skill. And they are glorious wounds. They are glorious scars that somehow color the value and the beauty and the character of what I get to do, but never once was I robbed of it. You all don't understand how beautiful your gold seams are. Some of you don't understand the gold running through you because you're still so incredibly focused on the fact that you got cracked to begin with. And I have to tell you that funny thing about this artwork is that people began breaking their pottery on purpose so that they would be bonded with gold. Don't do that, by the way. Personally, don't, don't go look for things to break yourself in. But we all know we get hurt and we get broken in this life. We all know there are cracks and seams all throughout because we're just living in a broken time. And yet we have an author. We have a creator that knows before any of that ever happened, exactly how he's going to seam it back together in pure gold. Some of you need to understand that when you look at yourselves. You need to understand that the cracks and seams of your life are being put together with pure gold. And not be ashamed of it. Not be ashamed of revealing what God has done not be ashamed of the places that were once broken that God has redeemed as we sing about it. We sung about it today. Beauty for ashes. I can tell you there are ashes left of that mug. I really pulverized that sucker. (laughs) But God has an ability to bring beauty out of ashes. One of my favorite parts of the scripture that that particular thing is, is, uh, that particular verse is in is Isaiah 61, but one of the One of my favorites in Isaiah 61 is this. It's verse 4. They will rebuild ancient ruins and restore places long devastated. They will renew ruined cities that have been devastated for generations because God will bind it together in gold. Let's go back real quick to the prodigal, the passage we're so familiar with. But while he was still a long way off, While you were still gathering the shattered pieces of mug, while you were picking up the brokenness, calling yourself broken, and going back to the heart of the Father, the Father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to the Father, 
I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Because like I said before, we tend to view our identity based in our brokenness. And I got to tell you, that is not the father's heart for us. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they begin to celebrate. God is the father who is waiting for us to bring the broken, shattered pieces of our identity to him. He never has seen us through the lens of our brokenness. And he confronts every time we try to diminish our identity down to the, the, the value of a slave because of what we've done. He has always seen us as his kids. He will never see us through the lens of the brokenness that we've experienced. He will never agree with the diminished identity we try to put on ourselves based on that rotten filter. All we have to do is come before the presence of the Father and allow him to bend down and scoop us up and put the pieces back together. How he intended us to be from the beginning. What he still sees in us. And yes, there will be scars. And those scars are the glory of God. They are the glory of God because only he can take the things that Satan meant to destroy us and bring them about for great good and great purpose. I am a minister. I'm a double minister. I minister here and I minister around the country. And I don't have to talk about my homosexuality or my homosexual brokenness or any of that. I don't have to do it. God doesn't say I have to do it. I get to. I get to take those broken places and show the gold that God has brought through them with no shame and with no despair and with none of it determining my identity. I am his, and I just get, I get to reflect the way he brings perfection through weakness. We are going to talk a lot more about identity next week, but today, stop agreeing with brokenness. It isn't who you are. It has never been, nor will it ever be, who you are. Stop thinking that the cracks of the broken pieces take away whatever purpose God had for you. It might color the way that purpose is lived out, but only for greater glory if we will surrender to his hand. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your ability to take the broken places of our lives and make them glorious and beautiful for your kingdom. Lord, right now, I ask these two things by your spirit, and this maybe is the miracle today. Will you bring our eyes off of the shattered pieces and will you show us the gold? I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that have not seen the gold seams in their life. And yet, Lord, they're so evident to you. So, Lord, will you help us see the ways that you have pieced us back together that we've never been robbed because no one can rob you, God. And so, Lord, will you reveal right now to your sons and daughters 
the wrong things they are believing based on the broken things that have happened to them. Will you forever and for always cast down those wrong agreements? And will you show us the gold, Lord? We praise you for your goodness to us, Lord God. We praise you for who you are. You are our author and the only one that has the right to tell us who we are. Thank you.